Alright, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. We're talking baseball today, and that means that I have with me Shane Stein. Good to be here, Matt. Alright, so last Friday we brought you guys um, for the, our catcher rankings. So today we're going to talk first baseman. Um, real quick before we get started, though, we talked a little bit about Corey Dickerson trade last week. This week, Gene Segura goes from Milwaukee to Arizona. Um, Milwaukee gets back in return. Aaron Hill, Chase Anderson, and a prospect. Looks like I think Segura's going to play second base for them with Ahmed probably playing shortstop. I know that leaves your boy Chris Owings out of the mix. But um, what do you think about Segura? Personally, for me, I think this is pretty simple. Um, He's never going to be the player that we thought he was two years ago. Yeah, definitely not. A lot of high hopes a couple years ago from Segura. I mean, coming out from a fantasy perspective, I thought he was going to be an absolute stud. I think we thought he was like a top 10 keeper in our in our big 16-team league when he was a $2 rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really excited. That the fact that, and the fact that he was $2 in our league, it, I really thought that he was he was one of the better guys as a keeper value in our league. Then really you get the drop-off, and it's been a disappointing last couple seasons, I feel like, for, for Segura. But I think that this trade might uh, might increase his value a little bit. Uh, you, get out, you get out of Milwaukee, which is just a bad situation. I feel like... You don't really want to be there. Uh, no one seems to want to be in Milwaukee. Uh, gets into a, a ballpark where I feel like it's a, it's a pretty good hitting hitting ballpark, and yeah. and probably in a better lineup. I feel like he's going to be in in Arizona. I don't know. But I feel like it'll be a little better than Milwaukee. So I think uh, it could be a little uptick uh, for for Segura out there in the desert. Yeah, I just I, I guess I'm just a little confused what what Arizona is really doing. I mean, I applaud them for taking a shot. I'd much rather see teams go for it than see teams do what teams like the Padres and Braves are doing right now. Um, the issue for me is, like, they're giving up prospects on a team that's not very good. Um, I mean, they do have Pollock and Goldschmidt, two of the better offensive players in the National League. They had Granke. Um, but, I mean, Shelby Miller, for me, <clears throat> he's, a, he's an above-average pitcher, if not league-average um, maybe maybe a little. Um, he's probably above average. And then Segura is a league average at best shortstop. So they're moving prospects to get players that are slightly above replacement level, I think. This really feels like the Padres from last year, doesn't it? It kind of feels like that to me. I mean, they're, they're chasing big names, I feel like. Guys that have done <clears throat> stuff in the past, and they're, they're kind of rewarding past performance. And they're just going out and maybe trying to sell tickets, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, back to Shelby Miller, I think he's a little bit above league average. Yeah, I was I think... probably being a little disrespectful to him. I mean, I think he was, I think he was actually lucky last year, despite the fact that he had one of the worst win-loss records in the league. Yeah, I, that's what I think you were getting at, is Miller had an aberration of a season last year, as far as, I don't think we're going to see him perform at that level again. No. Even though his team really didn't do anything for him. I think he pitched probably the best we're going to see out of him. Uh, even in the near future, I don't think we're going to see that kind of production out of Miller from an ERA standpoint. He was always, a, as a Cardinals fan, a frustrating guy for me. I mean, you hear all you heard for so many years was Shelby Miller this, Shelby Miller that. I'm expecting another, you know, another Daryl Kyle, another Chris Carpenter, another Adam Wainwright, and that's just not what we got. And, you know, we, we move him and Tyrell Jenkins for... 
a year of Jason Hayward and a half a year of Jordan Walden. Now Walden will be back this year, and it doesn't really look like a great movement when you look at that, but I, I would do that move all over again if I were the Cardinals for what they got out of Hayward last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with the young arms they still had. I mean, they could afford getting rid of a Shelby Miller and having guys step in, the young guys walk in, Martinez holding down the rotation. So it really, really was a great move for the Cardinals. Anything, anytime the Cardinals make a move, I mean, I know you're obviously biased, but I've, I've already spoken about it. I feel like they're the best franchise. So when they make a move, I feel like they're doing the right thing. And I, th- I feel like they did with that move as well. But Do I, do I come off as biased wearing my <laughs> Cardinals hoodie and hat as we're doing this? <laughs> not at all, not at all. Uh, but yeah, back to Segura. I feel I feel like this could be a good move. Uh, I feel like his production can't really go down. I mean, I I still I feel like the, the the move out to Arizona. The thing for me though is is it going to be an everyday situation? I mean, the middle infield for Arizona was just a disaster last year. I mean, you never knew who was going to be playing where. If they're going to be playing second base, shortstop, were they going to be playing third that day? You didn't know who was going to be in the lineup, and that was the problem. So if they can get that figured out and Segura slides into, has an everyday role out there, I feel like there could be some some uptick. Um, two guys that I think obviously get a boost in this deal. It obviously is Baseball America Prospect Handbook Day, so this clears a spot for Orlando Arcia in Milwaukee. We'll expect to see him at some point in Miller Park this year, but a guy in deeper leagues and NL only leagues that I think maybe gets an uptick here is, I guess the Brewers shortstop right now is Jonathan VR, and I mean that's a guy, fantasy wise, who I think has some real relevancy. If if you agree with me, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's a matter of whether or not he's going to be. I guess he's going to be their starting shortstop on opening day. I, I don't know, but the one I was actually going to want to talk about was Arcia. I mean, I think that could be a maybe an opening for him. I don't know that he starts the season mm-hmm. uh, with the big club, but certainly opens up uh, the possibility that he's gonna, we're going to be seeing him sometime in the middle of the season. Yeah, and you know we always love to get excited about prospects, and it's real easy to get excited about prospects coming off a year like we had last year, but I just want to say right here in our second baseball show of the year, let's temper the expectations for the rookies this year. We're not getting a Chris Bryant. Um, Miguel Sano, Michael Franco, even Jock Peterson was one of the better rookies for most of the year. I mean, Gong, uh, Panic, Duffy, I mean, all these guys were great last year, and we're not going to get players like that this year, I don't think. Yeah, it was really <clears throat> just uh, an incredible year last year for guys that love to take those chances on the flyers of the guys coming out of the minors. And oh, then... Correa. I forgot <laughs> Correa. Carlos Correa. And... Talk about how many did we hit on last year? If you're the if you're that kind of guy where you're you're trying to find the next next big thing, and it actually worked out like ten times last year, I don't th- I don't see that happening this year. I mean that's there was an aberration. Uh, doesn't mean there's not a few good guys coming up, but I don't think we're going to see the the big boom like we did last year. Well, yeah, in our league alone, I mean, you kind of gave me a mandate on draft day because you couldn't join me. You said get Chris Bryant on our team. That worked out for us, obviously. We were the ones that grabbed Correa about a week or two before he comes up. That worked out in a big way. We drafted Jock Peterson. <clears throat> Souza gave us a couple good weeks um, for Tampa. So, you know, we really hit big time on rookies. And my dad, he had Sano and Franco in that same league. And he it ended up working out well for him. Um, 
So I think we did really well with rookies this year. I don't know if there's anybody other than Corey Seager that I'm willing to take that leap for this year right now. Yeah, at this point for me, it's it's Seager, and then we're going to have to wait and see on everyone else. I think Seager's the real deal, I think. I, I actually traded him in our league, and it's kind of this time of the year, it's, it's kind of looking back, it's hurting that I don't have him now. But, I mean, I made a big move late in the season at the, de- at the deadline to try to get some pieces to win the title. But I think Seager's, Seager's the guy that we're all looking forward to seeing what he can do with full-time ABs in Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see on, on a number of other guys, though. Yeah, and when we get into our first base ranks today, um, we will talk about another rookie. He's not your conventional rookie, but I think he's a guy that we're going to spend some time talking about, um, even more so than others. So, with that being said, let's get into our first baseman discussion here. Um, number one, this is about as easy as it was for the catchers. Paul Goldschmidt at number one, and I don't think it's really close. Yeah, I, I tiered my guys here, and uh, and Goldie is the, the obvious choice here as, as your top first baseman. Uh, I just love watching this guy play. Uh, I use it. I use this analogy with a lot of people. Sometimes I use it with Gronk. I feel like he's the big kid on the Little League team. He's literally just out there, and he, he's kind of just so much better than, than everyone else when he's on the field. Uh, there's not really much that he can't do on a baseball field. And the fact that he can bring power and speed from that first base, first base position is just separates him from the rest of the field. Uh, you're looking at a guy that hits for average, hits for power, steals bags, drives in runs, scores runs. I mean, he does it all. Yeah, the emergence of A.J. Pollock, too, in Arizona, I think really helped him out, gave him some protection. And I, I'm I'm kind of high on the Osmani Tomas, too, this year. I think that, I think after another year, I think he gets better, and I think he helps Goldie out. My question for you on Goldie is, do you think the stolen bases stay as part of his game? I don't know that <clears throat> we can expect the amount of stolen bases, but I don't see it tempering off too bad. I mean, he's had... I think what, he's had over 15, I think, the last three years. And I like him to get at least 15 again this year. And if you can get 15 stolen bases out of your first base position, I mean, such an advantage. Uh, obviously, as you start getting older and you play a corner corner infield position, he's a big guy, you can expect the stolen bases to start slowing down a little bit. But for a guy like Goldschmidt, I mean, it feels like the game just comes easy to him. And I, I don't know that it, the... The slowing down of the speed is going to be a huge factor for him. It seems like he just has that baseball sense where he, he can steal bags even if he's not fast. So I still think 15 is a good bet for uh, for Goldschmidt again this year. And the stolen bases are probably what separates him the most from this group. I mean, I remember five so years ago when Pujols was clearly the top first baseman. He was getting you 10 steals a year, and that's invaluable from your first baseman. Um, you, you know, you always want to find guys that maybe can get you 10 to 15 steals to maybe add on to a D Gordon or something, especially in your Roto Leagues. So having a guy like that um, is huge. Yep. All right, number two, um, we both have Anthony Rizzo at number two. I think we're both expecting big things from him for the Cubbies. Um, is he is he the best fantasy Cub, or are you expecting maybe Chris Bryant to take a leap over him? Uh, for me, I think I think Bryant is the guy uh, that I would like to put my money on if I'm if I'm taking a Cubby, but Rizzo's not far behind. Uh, once again, he brings that power speed combo. I don't not quite as much as Goldschmidt from the speed perspective, and I think I think the average was a little inflated last year. 
I have to laugh. I know I, I made a little side bet with the with the Rizzo owner in our league that he wasn't going to be able to hold up his 300 average, and he really, I don't even know what he finished at, but I, I think it was right around 300, if I'm not, if I'm correct. But he, he certainly, I lost the bet to. Yeah. Say the least. Uh, I think I think the average might take a little bit of a dip this year, but he certainly outperformed my expectations last year. And he's still a young guy; he's only twenty six. He's pretty much the youngest guy we we have on this list, I think. And I feel like he's only going to get better. I mean, he's in such a good lineup with the Cubbies. I like what they're doing there. It's hard not to. Um, as long as he's going to be batting in the middle of that lineup, I feel like he's bound for big production. Yeah. Um... I agree with Rizzo. He's definitely a guy that scares me as a Cardinals fan. I, I think he's the key guy on that team. Um, everything kind of goes through him. I think him and Bryant together, um, that's just a, a huge force in the middle of that lineup. It's going to give pitchers fits for uh, quite a few years here in uh, Wrigley. Rounding out the top six, um, I think we, you and I talked, I think there's a pretty clear divide after the top six. So in no particular order, the remaining members of that first tier, um, Edwin Encarnacion, Miguel Cabrera, Jose Abreu, and Joey Votto. Let's talk about a guy like Jose Abreu first. He's a guy that we saw um, amazing numbers as a rookie. I I think he took a step back. Maybe unfair to say that he had a bad year last year. Definitely didn't reach um, expectations, I think, of people that went out and got him. I think he was going as a first-round pick in most drafts. Um, what are you expecting from Abreu? Are you expecting more of a year like his first year or or more of a year like last year? I think I'm expecting more of a year like his first year. Uh, no one's really higher on Abreu than I have been in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think the home run total was a, dipped a little last year. I, I don't know why. I think he might have been hurt a little bit last year. I feel like something was a little off. But I think he gets back to what he did in 2014, and we can expect more of the upper 30s in the home run total than uh, than what he, what he have 30 last year, I believe. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I I really like Abreu. I'm high on him again this year, and he's definitely in that uh, second tier at first baseman. Just I mean, it's hard to say second tier because he's he's a top tier guy, but Goldschmidt kind of separates himself from the field here. So in that three through six range. I, I really, I really like what, uh, what I'm seeing from Abreu. All right, you had Abreu fourth, Adam fifth. Um, another guy I want to talk about, Edwin Encarnacion. You're the Encarnacion owner in our league. Um, I, I like what this guy brings to the table. Another guy I think was banged up a little bit last year. I just love him in that lineup. more. I mean, the RBI opportunities are through the roof for him. So he's a guy that I'm expecting to have a huge bounce back season. Yeah, I, I'm high on Encarnacion again this year. The the steady production is just is what separates him from me. I mean, you go into the year and you really feel like you're going to get 30 plus homers from him, and anything less is is just a huge disappointment. I I feel like you you go in 30s the bar, and then you feel like you're probably going to get a little bit more than that, and when you can get that kind of steady production from a player like he's done the past three or four years, I mean, such an added bonus. You don't have to really worry about it. You slot him in your lineup, and it's just, it's just a big big plus for your squad. Uh, the age is starting to catch up to him a little bit. He's starting to get a little older, but I feel like I feel like you still uh, have a couple more good seasons coming from uh, Edwin. 
Yeah, and being able to play DH every now and then helps him certainly. Um, with him and Joey Bats, you know, rotating in and out of that DH spot, that definitely helps. Also, um, came out t- uh, this week that Toronto's going to a dirt infield this year, so I think maybe they did that for guys like Encarnacion, Donaldson, and Tulip. Maybe try and keep some of these guys healthy while the Blue Jays' window is still kind of open at this point. What's up? Is it Toronto and Tampa Bay doing that, or is it... I don't. I haven't. I didn't see Tampa, but okay. Yeah, I mean. They obviously have a couple guys that are getting up there in age, and maybe they're they're trying to slow down the injury rate. I mean, I know Toronto's when anytime you're playing on that turf field, it, it feels like uh, you can chew up some legs and, and get some guys hurt. So they have some aging aging guys in their roster. They have kind of a, a small window left here, so maybe that's what they're trying to do here. But I, I still think we uh, we get a couple more good years out of Encarnacion, and I still think. Uh, it just seems like a perfect fit for this guy. Mm-hmm. It's, this lineup, this stadium, just everything about being being in Toronto seems like a good fit for him. Um, this, I want to talk about Miggy now. He, for me, I think was one of the harder guys to rank. Now, obviously, he belongs in the top six here. I have him fourth. You have him third. Um, I don't think you can really go wrong picking Miggy. I think it's pretty easy, though, for me to say he's a guy that I won't own this year. And the reason why, I think it's just for that big of an investment, I feel like he has some real question marks. Um, the production it hasn't really dropped off much, especially the per-game production. When he's playing, he's there's no one better um, other than po- probably Goldschmidt. But I just worry about, we talked before we started the podcast about He's only 32 years old, but it's it's an old-looking 32. Um, he, he really kind of lumbers around out there, and you just worry about his longevity. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Miggy because, like I said, for me, he's a guy that I know I'm not going to have any shares of this year. Yeah, I ranked him at third here, and now that we're, we're talking about it, I feel like maybe I, I, I put him there just on past performance. Uh, I've seen the guy do it before. and Maybe, maybe I... I'm reaching with having him that high, but when he's on the field, I feel like he, he might be the best hitter in baseball. When he's playing and he's healthy, uh, the guy just hits baseballs. But, yeah, we talked about it before the show here. He's got to be one of the oldest 32-year-olds I've ever seen. Uh, he kind of is fitting right in there with what happened to Pujols, I feel like. I mean, one minute they look like they're unstoppable, and then another year or two down the line, it feels like, these guys are 40 years old, but that you look up and they're, they're only in their, their early 30s. So, I mean, obviously there's concerns there with Cabrera. The injuries have to be a concern. I mean, if you're going to pay up for a guy like him, you want him to be on the field all the time. And it just didn't happen for owners that invested last year. But I still think for a guy like Cabrera, you're going to end up having to pay a little more probably than you should. But... If he's healthy, he's definitely he's definitely worth the bucks. So yeah, he's, I mean he's going to cost you a first round pick if you're in a if you're in a um, snake draft. But for me, you know Trout, Harper, and Goldschmidt are the clear top three picks. But if it's coming down to that back part of round one and Miggy's out there, I'd almost rather have a guy like McCutcheon, um, Pollock, Stanton, Correa, Donaldson. Um, those are all guys that I'm I'm much more confident in. Because you, you really you got to hit that first pick. You you need a guy that's going to be out there more often than he's not. And 
I just feel a little safer with those guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're in a snake draft, it's kind of the key when you draft. If you're going to be in a snake, you got to hit in the first round. If you're going to be in an auction draft, you got to hit on your big value guys. you got to hit on your guys that you're going to pay up for. So Miggy's definitely a, a risky play if you're going to be drafting him in the first round or if you're going to be the guy paying $50, $60 for. And it's concerning because you're still paying for the name a little bit. And I don't know that the production is going to match, but it's whether or not you're willing to take that risk. And I think I still am. I'm still in on Cabrera. Uh, I think I would be a guy that would be willing to, to risk my cash or my pick on him this year. All right, and then rounding out the top six, Votto. Um, Joey Votto was a guy that we were all kind of unsure what we were getting from him last year. He ends up having one of his better seasons in Cincinnati. Now he loses the protection of Todd Frazier when he gets traded to the White Sox. Um, but Votto, for me, if we want to talk about daily fantasy, he's one of my top guys to play because he doesn't come with that huge price tag that comes with Goldschmidt and Rizzo and Miggy. He's a little cheaper than them. And just the on-base percentage, um, you know, walks count as a point in DFS. So having Votto out there on a per-game daily basis, um, I don't think there's, you can't argue, you can argue that maybe he's better than anyone on a per-game basis. Yeah, I slotted Votto in here at five, and tell you the truth, I actually haven't been high on Votto for his whole career, but this guy has been just so consistent, so good. I don't really know why. Uh, he's just a guy that doesn't really like, I don't know, he doesn't fit whatever I try to do usually for whatever reason. I never, I've never owned Votto in any fantasy league for whatever reason, but I mean, he kind of does it all. He fills up a lot of categories. He's still, he had 11 stolen bases last year at a first base spot. Uh, the on-base percentage is obviously kind of what you're paying for. Uh, the guy gets on base at a, an incredible clip. And I don't know. I, he just kind of separated himself. I, looking through his numbers from last year, it's it kind of got tough when I got down to that after three through six and then that seven, eight range. I, I had to slot Votto in here at five. But I expect another good season out of him, even though I'm not really high on what they're doing there in Cincinnati. But he's still a player that I feel like you're going to get in like the second round, and he's going to be worth it. Yeah, there's not many players um, as steady as Joey Votto. One of the guys I think that is um, steady moving forward in the rankings here, Adrian Gonzalez. He's probably as boring as it gets when it comes to first base, but the production, um, just outstanding. He's the key hitter in the Dodgers lineup. A lot of RBI opportunities again there with Gonzalez. He's a guy that definitely gets overlooked. Um, especially I think here on the East Coast, not being able to watch a lot of Dodgers games. But I'm a, I'm an Adrian Gonzalez fan. He's a guy that I'm always looking to get, or um, in some way, shape, or form. And I'm I'm kind of wondering how you if you kind of agree with that. Yeah, I slotted Gonzalez here. I have him at seven on my on my list, and he's just a steady producer. Um, he's 33 years old now, so obviously the age is starting to. To be a little bit of a concern, but the guy's just been steady his whole career. Uh, <clears throat> slot him in for that mid twenties, high twenties home run total. He's going to drive in runs. He's going to hit for a decent average. Uh, not going to get anything from speed wise, but from steady production, I mean, you, you can't really find much better. And he's just 
last year I was out on him. I'll be honest. Uh, I kind of forgot him. I read him, wrote him off, and obviously the guy still has some left in the tank, and he's hitting in a pretty good lineup. Got some good young players around him out there in Los Angeles, and, he, and I think you're right. You hit it on the head there. I think he's the key in that lineup. He's kind of the key to what they're trying to do, and they need him to produce if they're gonna continue to be successful out there. He's always such a quick starter too. He always, I feel like in April and May, um, he's always having really huge first couple months. Um, maybe tails off in the little in the end there, but it always helps his season long numbers. So Gonzalez is a guy that maybe you target in your draft, um, hoping to really get as much as you can out of him in the beginning, and then move him at his highest value for maybe someone that's a slow starter um a slow starter like a guy who i want to talk about next chris davis i have him seventh um you had a ninth so we're both kind of in the same ballpark on him he gets that massive contract to stay in baltimore um <clears throat> i think the orioles got some flack because they were kind of bidding against themselves i believe to keep davis but i think for them he's a guy that they had to go out and get and you know, as we get talking here further along in, in fantasy baseball season here, power is at such a premium. And, you know, we were talking about today ranking the first baseman. It's not as deep a position as we thought it was probably coming in. So Chris Davis, for me, is a guy that <clears throat> you're probably not thrilled that you have to pay up to get because of the batting average issues. The on-base percentage um, I don't think is usually great. But that power, it's worth the price, I think. Yeah, I feel kind of bad like ranking them where I did. When you look down, no one's had more home runs the past three seasons than, than Chris Davis. And he's kind of a guy that I, I forget about how good he is from a power perspective. Uh, obviously, if you're paying for him, you're, you're paying for the home runs. Uh, you're not really worried about, worried about the average, even though last year he hit two sixty. So he had a pretty decent year. You can, you can live with that. Uh, obviously, uh, last year was, was a great year for Davis. But he's, he's another guy that I, I kind of just forget about. And he's a little I think he's a little better than, than I think he is. So I think the reason, one of the reasons I had him ranked so low is I don't know if I trust him as much as I do the guys above him. Uh, I, I feel like the contract might have also played into that. I feel like sometimes guys get that big money and... That first year, never really, all the pressure on him, it never really seems to pay off. But Chris Davis, uh, if you can get him here at the bottom of the second tier, I'll say here, first baseman, still good value. If he if he can hit that 40 home run plateau like he has two out of the last three years, uh, going to get you some good value. Yeah, I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros rankings. They had him eighth as their average, but his best, his highest rank was fourth, and his worst rank was 15. So there's a wide range of um, opinion based on Chris Davis and what you can expect from him. Um, you had Pools next at 8. I have him at 10, so we're kind of close on Pools. A little worried about the injury that he's coming back from, um, but he had a real nice bounce-back season. Um, I don't think anybody felt like he still had that power left in him. Are you expecting more of the same, or are you kind of expecting more of a gradual decline now? Uh, I think we're on the gradual decline for Pujols. Uh, age is certainly starting to catch up with the guy. Uh, he's still one of my favorite players. Uh, I think he's still one of your favorite players, too, even though he broke your heart a little bit. Yeah, it stings. 
Um, but I think I think we're going to start seeing the slow decline of Albert. I think last year might have been the last Pujols year, even though the average wasn't there. Uh, I think from a power point, uh, we're not going to see the 40 home runs again this year. He's probably the end of a tier, though. Um, you know, I, I have him kind of tiered with Davis, Adrian Gonzalez. Um, and the reason I have them in a tier together is because I think you can pretty much know what you're expecting from those guys. And then the next group of guys that includes like Hosmer, um, Freeman, and guys like that, you're still not really sure what types of players Hosmer and Freeman are. Um, so I think for Pujols, if you're, you know, without a first baseman in your draft and Goldie Rizzo, Encarnacion Cabrera, Abreu, Vado Davis and Adrian Gonzalez are all off the table. I think he's a guy you got to go out and get at that point. <laughs> yeah, for me, right after Pujols is where it kind of drops off, and after that, it's kind of uh, just a crapshoot. I'm not really sure where to go. Uh, I'm looking at a guy like Freddie Freeman, and this is a guy I feel like he's a better baseball player than he is a fantasy baseball player. Um, had the big name coming out of the minor leagues. I know he was he was a highly touted prospect. Everyone in Atlanta was excited about him. And, I, and he's certainly, I think, the best player on their team. But there, there's not enough around him to make him really that fantasy stud that, that I think he everyone thought he might be. And he just kind of does everything okay for me. It's not, he doesn't stand out. Uh, everything is just kind of <clears throat> blah. Um, I, w- I wouldn't mind having him on my team if I could get him at a good value or, or a late a good mid-round pick. But... He's not a guy that I would like to form my team around, I guess, from a fantasy. It can't be long till they move him, too, right? I, I, I just think they're they're three plus years away, and at that point, I think you know his value in this year and next year is probably going to be its peak. I think um, I, I just don't see him being long for Atlanta with what they've been doing the last couple of years. Yeah, the Braves aren't really that close right now, and he's kind of the the biggest chip that they have left. So it's hard to see hard to see him staying in town for, for much longer. Uh, I don't know if it's this year, but I think definitely in the next year or two, I think I could see him leaving town, getting bringing in more young prospects. And uh, it's kind of depressing to see the, uh, the overhaul that's going on in Atlanta right now. Not a lot to look forward to. A guy that I, I think he is comparable to him is Hosmer. Because um, we're not talking about big power numbers but we are talking about you know still pretty steady production elite production um you know they have the ability to make a lot of contact which i think is what you like from players um the ability to score runs the ability to drive in runs and hosmer has a much better lineup than freeman but you know the rbis i think are going to be similar between the two of them so hosmer's a guy that i always kind of compare to freddie freeman and I think I like Hosmer more this year just because of the lineup. But I'm interested to get your thoughts on Hosmer because I have him ninth, you have him fifteenth. So we're kind of that's kind of the guy that we're the most split on. <clears throat> yeah, I think that Freeman Hosmer comparison is a pretty good one. Looking at it, uh, they're both similar age, they're similar type players. I guess I think Freeman's a little better of a player. I feel like. But, I mean, definitely the lineup that Hosmer's in gives him a significant advantage. Uh, I don't know that we can expect the the big season that Hosmer had last year. I think that's kind of his peak. Uh, I mean, he – I know 
he got traded before last season in our in our league that we're in, and I was kind of wondering what the guy was doing that picked up Hosmer. He was so high on him, and it ended up paying off for him. But I don't think we can see he hit close to 300 last year. He had almost 100 runs and 100 RBIs, and that's I feel like that's kind of uh, just being in that Royals lineup. They they always seem to have guys on base. There there's always opportunities to drive in runs, always <clears throat> opportunities to score runs in that lineup, but. I think that last year might have been the the peak for what we're going to get from Hosmer from a fantasy perspective. But looking back on my rankings now, I could I could easily see Hosmer uh, outperforming a Freddie Freeman just based on the opportunities that he's going to have. He's going to have more chances to drive in runs than, than Freeman will. He's going to have guys in his lineup that can drive him in more often. So maybe uh, maybe I have to relook at my rankings here and. Uh, Maybe Hosmer slides up a couple spots. Well, Hosmer, Kane, Moustakis, um, even a guy like Kendris Morales, they all kind of had their best possible seasons last year. Um, and I'm not sure that that continues. But um, it's something that if you want to get Hosmer, you're going to have to pay for that season that he had last year, I think. Yeah, the Royals just put it all together last year. It was just one of those seasons where everything seemed to go their way. I know talking in the playoffs with my brother, he's a big Mets fan, so that World Series hit him hit him pretty hard. We were watching that series, and it felt almost like the Royals know what pitch is coming when you watch that lineup play. Like, they don't swing and miss. It almost feels like they know when the fastball's coming and they get it. Um, so, I mean, I'm not here to say that they're doing anything fishy, but it just seemed that way. They, for a team to be on that many pitches and to not strike out is just incredible, especially against the arms that the Mets were throwing at them. So that lineup, uh, I don't know that we can expect that kind of production that, that we got last year, but if they can do anything close to that, it's still a boost for all those guys in the, in the fantasy world. Another player that I think is cut from the same cloth as Hosmer and Freeman is Brandon Belt. He's a guy that I didn't have in my top 15 um, you had him 12th, so you have some kind of an inkling on Brandon Belt finally doing what everybody has told us for about five years now that he's capable of doing, so I'm interested to hear um, why you had Belt 12th and why I didn't feel like he was in the top 15. Yeah, Belt was my flyer that I'm taking here uh, to fill out my rankings. I put him in the 12th spot. Maybe it was just me wanting to try to finally be right on this guy. Uh, I know, I think it was three or four years ago, I was, I was high on him, I, just like everyone else was, really highly touted, and it just seems it hasn't come into fruition. But I watched him play a few times, and I feel like the guy's maybe turning a corner, and I feel like the power might start to show up this year. Uh, not excited about the ballpark that he plays in, obviously. Not a great home run park, but... I don't know. I, I feel like things are going to be uh, pretty good in San Francisco this year. I know playing on the the even year must be a Giants year this year, but I just think things are going to run well in San Francisco, and I, I like Belt to be a part of that this year. Yeah, I certainly like Belt, and I think he's a good fit for the Giants. He probably would have been the next first baseman that I would have ranked. Um, I just want to see him do it for one full season. We've seen stretches where he seems like one of the better hitters in baseball and then maybe he either gets hurt or you don't hear his name for three weeks and he just really struggles and I think at first base first base is a position where you can't really afford to be waffling back and forth you kind of need someone that is a little more steady 
um, because there are guys at that position that that produce, and you know you don't really want to have a guy who's going to be a total whiff. And I feel like there's still that chance for that with Belt. Yeah, Belt wouldn't be the guy that I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to slot him in as my first baseman. Um, if I can get him in my corner infield or, yeah. or a utility spot and play him in my lineup, I think I'd be happy about it. But if I can't get one of those top six, seven guys like we talked about, I, I don't think Belt would be the guy that I would I would want to slot in as my everyday first baseman, carry the team kind of guy. I, I just like him for for maybe I'm not I'm not calling him the huge breakout year, but I think we might we might finally see him go over twenty homers. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a stretch. We might see him in the low 20s this year, which would be a, a nice year for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it happening. Um, I guess I'm just, uh, I'm a little more skeptical than most probably on him. But let's talk about career years. Two guys, the New York first baseman. Duda, two years ago, had his career season, I believe. He was okay last year. Definitely disappointing compared to the year before. Um and then Mark Teixeira, the Yankees' first baseman. I'm the Teixeira owner in one league, and I, I'm going to keep him at $7, but I'm not thrilled about it, or wasn't thrilled about it, I guess, until I saw this list of first basemen, and I'm like, oh, having Teixeira is maybe not that bad. So I'm, I want to hear what you have to say about the the New York first baseman. Yeah, I've never really been a big Duda guy. I mean, we've had plenty of conversations <laughs> about that in the past. I, I've ribbed you a little bit about about you being so high on Duda and me being kind of low on him. But, I mean, the home run power is still there. And hits the ball out of the ballpark, even even being in, in City Field, not a great home run place. Um, I think you can expect more of the same from Duda. Uh, guy that's going to hit 25, 30 at best home runs, which you'll take that. You'll take that out of your first baseman. Average isn't going to be there ever. Uh, guy strikes out a lot. But I guess when you start getting down to this 11 through 15 range, I mean, he's not a bad guy. To do. Once again, he's not a guy you're going to slot in there as your, your everyday guy, but if you can get him at, at a good value and slot him in a corner spot or your utility, it would be okay. Teixeira is an interesting case for me. I mean, I thought this guy was done. Mm-hmm. I really did. Um, then the guy comes back and hits over 30 homers last year and just has a renaissance year. I think we forget about how good Mark Teixeira was before uh, before the injury, was it, I think three years ago, and being able to bat in that ballpark is such a significant advantage for uh, for power hitters. And when he's batting left-handed, it's just so easy to just lift the ball out of the ballpark in Yankee Stadium. And I can I think it it continues again this year for him. Uh, I think he has another big year. I don't know that we're going to get 31 homers like we did last year. But I can definitely see him going over 25 again. Yeah, 31 homers, and I think he missed the last month of the season, which was even more impressive when you look at it. But uh, Teixeira is just, I don't know. I mean, his season was so weird last year where it was either pretty much an out, um, a single, or a home run. There wasn't really anything else that he was doing. Um, He just had one one of those really weird seasons, and that's... I think the one thing that scares me, um, I'd love to see, and I should probably look into this, what his home run to fly ball percentage ratio was, um, because it had to be one of the higher ones in the league. Well, I feel like him and his uh, his battery mate up there, uh, A-Rod, kind of had the same year last year. Yeah. They, they were both really similar. They both were 
kind of everyone was down on him going into the year, and they both just hit a lot of balls out of the ballpark, and but didn't really do much else other than that. Which I mean, at this point in their career, if you're gonna take a flyer on them in fantasy, you'll definitely take what the production that they gave you. Um, I just I think it continues for both of those guys. Actually, uh, I feel like it's a good fit just being in that stadium, and they don't really have to do much but but just hit. Uh, they're just kind of counted on to just hit home runs. Let's be be the power guys and see where that takes us. So I expect uh, another nice season out of out of Tex and out of Alex. So. Yeah, circling back to Duda for me, um, I am probably higher on Duda than most people. He made a clear approach to go to left field last year um, and work oppo as opposed to the year before when he was just hitting everything out in sight. Um, And for me, that's a little frustrating because you're not paying for him to hit 280 because I think that's about the best he could ever do. You're, hitting, you're paying for him to hit 30 home runs. And if he's not going to do that, then I don't really want much of Lucas Duda anymore. But I'm willing to maybe give him a shot, like you said, as a corner infielder um, or a utility guy just to give him that one chance because we've seen him do it before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're paying up for Duda, you're kind of okay with the fact that, hey, you hit 240 and hit 30 home runs. Yeah. I'm fine with that. You don't really want him to turn into that guy that's – going to hit 20 home runs and but bat 275 like yeah you don't, you don't really want that yeah, don't try to be joey vado because you're not yeah <laughs> um all right carlos santana we both had him 14th another guy that i struggle with i traded for santana last year and um flipped him about as quick as i could because i just I'm, I'm not patient enough to deal with a guy like him who he may not have a hit for a month and then he'll go on a two-month stretch where there's nobody better. And he's just... I have him 14th because who else are you going to rank? But he's not a guy that I want any piece of, really. Now, I feel like he might be the most inconsistent guy on this list. Yeah. Uh, you, you really don't know what you're going to get. When he gets hot, he, he's incredible. But like you said, he goes in stretches where he can just kill you for a couple weeks at a time. And... I don't know. He's a guy that I'm going to stay away from in drafts this year. I, I'm not really high on him. I don't really want any parts of uh, of Santana in, in my, my lineups. But he's certainly a guy, if you see that he's cold for a big stretch, I, maybe you take a flyer on him. Maybe you make a trade if you can get a, a good value in a trade. You see Santana's low for a month or so. Maybe you make a move and get him, and hopefully mm-hmm. he gets hot for a little bit, and then you can try to – Maybe get flip him around and get rid of him right away. So yeah, the intriguing thing for me on him last year was that the third base eligibility, and I thought third base was kind of a wasteland last year. Um, but now I look at third base as we talked about on the catcher show, and third base I think has some of the most talent that you can have in fantasy baseball. So when Santana lost that catcher eligibility, that really kind of killed him in my minds, and that in my mind, and now. You know, that he's gained third base. It's cool that you can maybe move him around to different spots, but there's just a lot better options at third base that I'd rather take a shot on. Yeah, that was one thing that him losing that catcher eligibility is really what kind of kills him fantasy value wise. Um, even in Arley, he doesn't even have third base. He has corner. Uh, right. He has corner, but he doesn't have third. I'm sure at most leagues he has, he probably has third. <laughs> I think ours is a little different. But yeah, losing that catcher eligibility for him kind of kills that value so I think he I think if he still had catcher eligibility 
I think I'd probably have him as a number two catcher. Um, yeah. I would probably have him ahead of Schwarber. Yeah, he'd definitely be two or three, depending on how high you are on Schwarber. He, he'd definitely jump up to the top of the, the catching tiers there. But but number two catcher's just not getting it done at first base. No. Um, and then the last guy, and I saved him for last for a reason because I really wanted to kind of talk about him because I feel like Byung-Ho Park is a guy that we're going to see people either get him as a steal or grossly overpay for. And I'm kind of excited to start doing some mock drafts to see where this guy goes and see what the general consensus is on him. Um, two years ago, when Abreu was a rookie in the similar situation, I went out and paid 45 bucks for him, and it was arguably the best investment in our draft. Um, I'm not sure I'm feeling that same way about this guy. Um, maybe call it biased, but I'm probably willing... I trust the Cuban players more than the the Asian players, and that maybe that's wrong of me, but I just feel like we've gotten burned on a lot of Asian players, especially offensive players in the past, whereas, you know, in the last couple of years, we've really seen this Cuban explosion. Yeah, Park for me is, is going to be an interesting guy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what his value is when we get to our draft day. Uh, I can't see myself paying the big bucks that I think he's going to go for. Uh, when you say big bucks, what are you thinking? I, I'm thinking he's going to go for somewhere in the high 30s. Okay. I, I really do. Uh, just based on, I know we have we have 16 guys, so it's a, it's a pretty deep league, and you gotta take you gotta get power where you can get it, uh-huh. and certainly he has the power potential. And I think there's gonna be someone willing to to go out there and spend the big money on him. Um, so I'm I'm thinking 35, maybe a little more than that for Park this year. What did you pay for Tomas last year? Because I feel like, well, Park is a guy that you're gonna want to see in spring training, which is similar to. I think Tomas, and I think that kind of hurt Tomas's value in spring training, where Abreu had one of the better spring trainings, and people were raving about this dude, and that's why I took a shot on him. But you got Tomas last year for twenty. I think I got him for, I got him for twenty bucks. So was, you'd be in on Park for twenty. I would. I, be, I would be too. Yeah, I would definitely be in on Park for twenty. I think if he starts creeping into the thirties, I'm, I'm definitely going to be out on him. Yeah, thirties my ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I just I feel like he's gonna go for a little more than that just just based on being in our league for a little while knowing guys are gonna see what he's done in Korea the past couple of years and someone's gonna be willing to take that risk on him uh, I don't think it's gonna be me I, I certainly don't think it's gonna be you either um, I don't know that either of us are gonna be in for that price but he's gonna be an interesting I mean Certainly, 250 home run seasons the past couple of years. I know you're, you're playing in a little smaller ballparks. You're playing against a little inferior competition. <clears throat> Obviously, fantasy, if you can get power, you gotta go out and you got to go out and find it wherever you can. And if the guy's going to even, even if that translates into a 30 home run year, it still uh, might be worth, the, worth, your, worth your time. I, I, I struggle with hitting in Minnesota's park, too. I'd probably be less concerned about this guy if they were still in the Metrodome. I just feel like balls really struggle to leave Minnesota's park, and I don't know if that's true or not. I just that's maybe it's been that Minnesota's had terrible offenses the last couple of years, and that's just like a preconceived notion among because Dozier has no problem hitting it out. But I don't know. I'm just, 
maybe it was Mauer's decline and Morneau <laughs> getting hurt that I feel like Power's just going to die in Minnesota. Yeah, I feel they just haven't had any power guys there really. I mean, other Sano, Sano is yeah. I mean, Sano <laughs> now, but I mean, they haven't had a, like a lot of big power guys come through in the past few years. I think that might also play into it. But yeah, it doesn't seem like a kind of park that the ball just shoots out of. So that might be might be a little downer there for Park, but. Like I said, he's, he's going to be interesting. Uh, I feel like someone's going to pay up for him. And maybe it pays off for him. Maybe it doesn't. But I, like I said, I think I'll, I think we'll be out <clears throat> somewhere in the high 20s. Once you, certainly once you get to 30, I think I'll, I'll be out on par. Yeah. Um, so three guys that you may be listening to this and saying, I can't believe they didn't rank these three guys. Buster Posey, Prince Fielder, and Todd Frazier. Obviously all three of them would be in our top 15, but... Um, and I think more leagues than not, well, Fielder may not have first base eligibility, same with Frazier, and Posey certainly does, but I don't think you're, if you draft Posey, like we said, he's you're getting the value add out of him as being a catcher. There's not many scenarios where I think you're benefiting by Posey being your first baseman. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. I mean, if I had to, I guess if we had to jump Posey into, into this, Section where uh, where would you put him? Uh, he falls into that three through six range for you. Yeah, or? I'd have him probably seventh behind those six guys. Yeah, but I think he's clearly better than Davis Gonzalez Pujols. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's probably a good assumption there. I think I don't know that I can draft him over those three through six guys if I'm playing him at first base, and but I, I certainly can make a case over Pujols and uh, certainly Freddie Freeman, Davis, those guys. I can make a case for him over. Yeah. Other first baseman that I guess we want to talk about here. Um, Mitch Moreland. He had a pretty decent year last year for Texas. Possible breakout candidate. I feel like always everyone's always waiting for him to put it together and have one of those maybe like a Mark Teixeira like season. He's another guy that I'm just willing not to take not willing to take a risk on. Um, I think that you're probably on the same side as me. Yeah, it's funny. Moreland was a guy, last year, I went to pick up on one day, and I went to click on his name, and I clicked on it, and it said someone else had already picked him up, right as I was going to pick him up. And actually, it was the team I was I ended up losing to in the playoffs picked him up. And he was a guy that I tried to pick up late in the season, obviously. I think he's going to be more of the same for Moreland. I, I don't expect him to have the big year that he had last year, but he's a guy that you can certainly probably going to find on your waiver wire. And he'll be a solid pickup for you throughout the year when you need, if you need some spot help at your corner spots or your first base spot, an injury fill-in. Um, he's not a guy I'm probably going to waste my time drafting. Uh, I don't think you're really going to have to pay up for him. But did have a big year last year, 23 homers. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Adam Lind is another guy I think that's kind of similar. This dude, he was a guy I was playing a lot in daily fantasy because. He just mashes right-handed um, pitchers. He moves to Seattle, so obviously you're not in love with that move. But um, he's a guy that, you know, if if he's out there on your waiver wire and he's going up against a weak right-handed pitcher, he's a guy that you may want to stream. And I think he's definitely a guy that you should be keeping an eye on in fantasy terms. Yeah, the guy certainly can hit against right-handed pitchers. Uh you see him in there against the lefty, you're, you're definitely gonna you're gonna fade him for that day. He's not a guy. You're, he's gonna be an everyday guy for you. But yeah, like you said, <coughs> if you can get a good matchup, a good ballpark against the righty, 
Uh, certainly a guy worth taking uh, taking a shot on. Uh, certainly still still got some pop in the bat there. Um, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't talk about a Rockies player, Ben Paulson. If he gets regular ABs in Colorado, he's a guy that shoots up this list, right? Yeah, anytime you can uh, get some shares in, in a Colorado player, if they're getting everyday at-bats, uh, someone that you're probably going to be willing to take a chance on, I just don't know that Paulson's going to get the everyday at-bats that he needs. Um, here's a guy, I know you picked him up a few times last year. I He's on my team right now. And, <laughs> and um, if it comes out that he is going to get 500 at-bats, probably, I'm keeping him. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> And I'm, t- I'm I'm taking some risks here with my keepers, and he, if you look at his numbers, his his um, ratios, his batting average, on base percentage, and slugging numbers were really impressive in a small sample size. I don't have them in front of me. I don't know if you do. I don't have them in front of me. Okay, but... I'll find them while you're talking about them then, because I feel like we need to talk about this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he was just a guy that didn't do much with his opportunities last year. I feel like that's what's scaring me, that they might go out and, and turn him into someone that they don't play every day. Um, I guess they let go of more no, so that's a, that's a plus for Paulson there. But I don't know. I, I, I find it really tough to, especially you're talking about keeping a guy as a, in an eight-keeper eight league. That's a really big roll of the dice for me. I, I don't know if you're gonna have gonna be able to do that, gonna be able to pull that off. But if you, do, I don't have certain... the, I don't have the gonads to do that. But <laughs> two seventy seven average, three twenty six on base percentage, four sixty two slugging, and three hundred twenty five at bats. I don't know. I just I feel like there's something about this guy that I like, and um, he, you know he has some outfield eligibility too. So he's an interesting piece in that terms. Um, just trust me, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Ben Paulson this year. I'll keep an eye out on him. Uh, like I said, if you if you end up keeping him, that's that's a going to be a, certainly a big roll of the dice from uh, from your perspective. But I know you said you were going to go a little off the board here, try to hit try to hit big on some of your keeper selections. So maybe you do, maybe it works out. For I, you. I feel you know why I feel good about Ben Paulson. I feel about as strongly about him as I felt about Garrett Jones last year. Oh, wow. Going to New York. <laughs> wow. Wow, that is uh, that's some big talk. And that worked out really well, obviously. I think if Jones got 100 at-bats last year, he was lucky. Let's hope that we're not uh, running him out there in our utility <laughs> spot for uh, for a few weeks, killing our, killing our roster in our ESPN league. Yeah. Um, all right, so I'll give you an opportunity to talk about Greg Bird now. Obviously, he just had labrum surgery um did he meet his minimums he did meet his minimums okay so you gotta throw him back out there yeah he's a guy i had in the minors and i actually was planning on him being my eighth keeper this year even though he didn't have a secured spot i feel like greg bird's a pretty good player and it was really disappointing to see him go down i think it might be a good thing for my team that i don't have to keep him now and i can keep someone else but I was excited about what Bird can do. I feel like he can really turn into a guy that's going to hit somewhere around the 280 range, and certainly being a left-handed stick in Yankee Stadium never hurts. Uh, I feel like like he's a guy that can definitely be a 280, 25 home run kind of guy in in the future. And 
I don't know if it was going to be this year or not. Certainly the, the at-bats were going to be the question. Where is he going to play? How often is he going to play? But I was excited about Birds. It was disappointing to see him out for the year, but maybe it makes my team a little better that I don't have to take that risk on him and I can go somewhere else. Is he a guy that in our draft you consider possibly grabbing for a dollar late and just stashing him on your DL all year? Yeah, oh yeah, certainly. If since you can, you can put him there on your DL, he's a guy I could see getting drafted by someone. I'll probably take a look at him if you can get him for that cheap price, uh, where he's not going to cost you anything. Because you got to feel like this is the shares last year. I don't know what his contract looks like, but you got to feel like he's probably at his wits end in New York after this year with what they're doing. Yeah, certainly the Yankees. I feel like are going to try to get younger after this year. I think this 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 could be the last year for Tex there. So, yeah, definitely a guy that I would look forward to in the uh, 2017 campaign. Uh, I'm excited about what he can do when he finally gets up there and gets the regular ABs all season long. All right, and, you know, let's talk about, I said that Rockies offensive players are my favorite thing to talk about in baseball. Cardinals players are my second. Brandon Moss, Matt Adams. I, you you always chuckle when you hear Matt Adams because I think I try to pawn him off on you every year. What do you um What do you think about those two guys? Yeah, if it's going to be a timeshare there, it definitely kills the both of their values a little bit. Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm finally out on the Brandon Moss <clears throat> after after last year. Uh, I went all in, traded Devin Travis to you for him, and. He was just a huge disappointment for me last year. So I think I'm out. Certainly a guy that still has some pop in the bat, but <clears throat> so inconsistent and does absolutely nothing, I feel like, against left-handed pitching. And you can't really run him out there when they face a lefty. Matt Adams is a guy that I'm intrigued by, though. Uh, I feel like if he gets every day at bats, he could be a really, really good fantasy option at first base. I feel like he's just a guy that hits. Uh if, if given the chance and St. Louis is, says, hey, you know what, we're going to stick with you, you're our guy, I feel like he could be a guy that could certainly slide into a, a startable first baseman option. But I don't know that St. Louis is going to do that. Uh, you're, you're more the St. Louis guy, obviously. You have a better feel for that. What do you, what do you think is going to be the case with these two guys? Um, uh, you know, you talked about it being a timeshare. I don't know what the obvious timeshare is there because they're both pretty much the same player. Um, I think Moss will play some outfield. I think they're counting on Moss more than Adams, um, which is a little goofy to me because Adams was pretty good two years ago. Um, so I, I, I'm not really sure what they're going to do there. I think Jerko ends up playing some first base. Uh, Piscotti maybe even too. So... I'm kind of interested more to see what Jerko can do with regular ABs than Moss and Adams. I feel like I know who those two guys are, and I feel like Jerko maybe needed a change of scenery. And I'm kind of excited about him um, in St. Louis. But if it comes out that one of these guys is going to get at bats more than the other, I would probably take a flyer on one of them just because I'm a homer. So Yeah, I... I feel like Adams is the better player at this point than, than Moss. I might be wrong, but I feel like he's a better hitter anyway. And But I just don't think we're going to see any separation there as far as yeah. being able to, to draft one of these guys and and count on the, the production that you're going to need. 
Alright, and then I just want to end with, I think, a fun trivia question for you here. So, every year, well, I shouldn't say every year, but last year, me and you made a lot of fun out of Joe Maurer when we were doing our rankings. Because he didn't have catcher eligibility anymore. And then somebody went out and spent $24 on him in the draft at first base. And I know you and I usually try to sit next to each other at the draft and we were kind of looking at each other like, what is going on? So... How much does Joe Maurer go for in our auction draft this year? Wow, yeah, we were, I know we were both totally shocked when uh, the Maurer bidding was going on last year. And I, I know there was a couple times we looked at each other. I remember the one I looked at you, you got Matt Holiday, I feel like, for dirt cheap. 20 bucks. And we were like looking and we're like, what's what's happening? Yeah, and it was awful. I wish I would have done that. <laughs> I mean, we ended up being a little wrong, but I, mean, I feel like you should have went for way more. still feel like I made the right call there. but yeah. uh, Maurer this year, wow. Um, Anything more than $5 is a total joke. Yeah, I even feel like that, Even that, I feel like... I feel like he's going to go for more. Uh, I'm going to go... Mauer goes for 11 bucks in our draft. Okay, I thought you were going to say 15 so... Um, I think he creeps over 10 and goes 11 bucks. <laughs> that's Someone, sickening. Someone's going to overpay, still pay for the uh, four years ago stats from Joe Mauer and... Uh, yeah, you're you're pretty much just donating at that point if you if you're willing to go. <laughs> I, I actually think I know who it's gonna be, and it's gonna be funny. But I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't listen to the podcast, but I feel like it's gonna be a Matt Burkhart pick, <laughs> and he, he's gonna be the guy that, that's willing to go the double digits for Mauer. And good luck with that, buddy. I'm glad you're in my division. <laughs> yeah, um, Mauer <laughs> is a guy that I want no piece of anywhere. So. Anything else you want to, any first baseman that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention at all? Uh, there was one one or two names that, that stuck out to me I, I wanted to get your feelings on. The first one was uh, Justin Bohr uh, in Miami. What are, what are your thoughts? I feel like he's a guy that might be kept in our league. Um, I know he's on a bad team, and he was picked up late in the season, and he, he's on a team that's rebuilding. Yeah. Um, he was a guy that I spot-started a few times last year. Me too. I feel like there's some power potential there. Um, he had 23 homers last year. Um, what do you... Uh, he had 409 at-bats, 23 homers. What uh, I feel I feel like Munson might keep him in, in our league, so... Okay, so um, I'll be pretty open about the fact that I had no idea he had 23 homers. I feel like he hit half of those in like a two-week span. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Did you have him for a piece of that? I had him for a piece of it, yeah, yeah and then I dropped him, and then okay. Mets picked him up late. I guess there's no real competition at first base in Miami. So that's a lineup that I actually like. D. Gordon, John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich. I, I expect a bounce back from Marcelo Zuna. Um, you talked a little bit about Raul Mudo. You like him. So... I guess I kind of like Bauer here, um, but I'm not, I, I don't know if he's good. You know, it's like, I, I feel like him and Paulson are probably the same player, but obviously Bauer had much better numbers than Paulson, so. Yeah, I think like we touched on the catchers last week, it's tough to get excited about anything that happens in Miami, and just to add to it. I've jumped into the survivor scene lately, and now I know why they're so bad. I 
I saw that their president left their team a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, that dude was a joke on that show. To go Survivor for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, did you see the way he played that game, and too? he was the first person out. Yeah, I terrible. Was, I had to Absolutely laugh terrible. So that was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, it's tough to... I mean, 23 home runs, it's... it's he's ranked as the 38th guy right now on CBS, and I'm trying to figure out, is he maybe not as good as he, as he was last year? I mean, 38th with 23 home runs is... He's kind of odd to me. So he strikes out about twenty five percent of the time. Yeah. So that's uh, a little frustrating. Not a lot of walks. Um, but yeah, you know, we talk about power, and if I'd rather probably take a flyer on him than a guy like Kendris Morales or Mark. I'd rather have Bauer than Mark Trumbo. I, yeah. I, I just think. I'm always going to lean on the side of upside, and um, I guess there's some there with him. So, all right, he's a guy I'm going to kind of circle back on now because I feel like I grossly overlooked him. Yep. All right, and then the last guy that I, I really wanted to talk about, and this guy is just an aberration for me, uh, Pedro Alvarez. What a, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I, I don't know what to think about this guy. He was a guy that. I feel like a couple of years ago in our league went for, I don't know how much it was, $40 maybe? It was something high. It was ridiculous. And he had a year where he had, what was it, over 40 home runs? 30, 36 home runs? And then hits 18 the next year, hits 27 last year. I mean, what are you going to get from this guy? Where? Again, I, I'm going to play dumb here. I had no idea he had 27 homers last year. Um. I can't, I can't be interested in this guy. And he's not even on a team yet. Yeah. So that obviously hurts. And I don't know if he's going to... He's obviously going to find work somewhere before the season starts, but is it on a minor league deal? I mean, does he even break camp with the team? Um, I don't know. I don't like him. Uh, he's never been a guy I've really... Did we, uh, we had him in our league last year, didn't we? We had him for a, for a little bit, I okay. think. Uh, I don't think we kept him the whole season, okay. but we had him for a little bit. Um, I, he was I, a guy that I had on my team last year. That's why I'm looking at He's not on my team anymore, but he, he's a guy that I, I took a chance on last year. And he was decent for me at times, and he was bad for me at times. And you look up, and he has 27 home runs at the end of the year. And I don't think that can be overlooked, um, especially if he catches on in the right place. Yeah, he's a guy that strikes out more than 25% of the time, which, um, I don't know. I, I can't get behind a guy like this, and the fact that he's not on a team right now tells me about all I need to know about him. But Colorado signs in tomorrow. I, I, I'm on him. Uh, he's on my team. <laughs> I actually saw some uh, some rumblings a, a couple days ago when, when Greg Bird got hurt. That there were talks of him going to New York. Obviously, that was the hot topic. Where is he going to um, play on that that's team? My thoughts exactly were, where is he going to play there? What are they going to use him as? I mean, you have such a logjam there with first base, DH with <clears throat> A-Rod and Teixeira. And Beltran, Beltran and McCann's got a DH when he doesn't catch. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just how, how many, many old guys can you have with beat-up knees? And Headley obviously has to play at third base because A-Rod can't. So then you got A-Rod... Teixeira, McCann, and Beltran for DH first base and a corner outfield spot. And throwing Alvarez in there would just be... It would be so Yankees if for them to do that. Yeah. 
because I feel like they make awful decisions. They haven't made them lately. I feel like they've actually been pretty smart. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be brutal. I'm, I I don't like Alvarez, maybe because he was a pirate for so long. But yeah, I can't I can't get behind that guy. I feel like I made fun of you last year for having him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was a guy I never really liked, and then I, I took a chance, just took a chance on him last year. And I mean, he's a guy that I, I don't have to think, I don't have to make of him. It's it's so odd. Yeah. <coughs> All right, so that about wraps us up talking about first baseman. Again, make sure you find us on iTunes, Red Triangle Sports Podcast. We're on Twitter at Red Triangle Twenty Three. Um, we've been putting out our NBA plays every night. They've been okay. Um, tonight has been kind of dismal, I think, across the board for most players. So we'll keep working on that. Um, oh, yeah, we wanted to ask. Super Bowl. Score prediction. I've been thinking about this all week. I'm, I'm really excited for this game. I'm actually going to turn it into a bold prediction. Oh, God. We are going to see the first overtime game in oh. Super Bowl history. I thought you were going to say Denver wins. And I like Denver to win. <laughs> I'm going to go 22-19. to 22-19, interesting. Um, I'm going to take Carolina 31-14. to Carolina gets to 30 every single game. I like Carolina. You really think that Carolina is going to be able to move the ball up and down the field on this defense? I think maybe they score twice on defense. I, I don't know. I just... This team is rolling, and they're just beating people up, and it just feels like Seattle-Denver to me from two years ago. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really think there's something to this. Uh, I know you don't like to talk about it. This, this Peyton Manning thing is I'm rooting for him. Big for uh, there, you're not going to find a bigger Manning fan than me. Um, I love the guy, but I just I, I'm willing to let him lose another Super Bowl, and let's watch him quarterback in Houston or in Los Angeles next year. So, Yeah, and obviously with my prediction, I, I don't think Manning is going to be the reason they win this game. <laughs> um, that defense for me, though, I mean, obviously I'm a big Patriots homer guy. I watched that game, and that defense played one of the best games I've seen. And if they can get after Cam Newton the way they got after, after Brady, they're going to give them some fits. Uh, any, they're going to give any quarterback some fits if – they play the way they did in that AFC title. Yeah, game. I mean, Cam Newton can move, and Tom Brady's the Statue of Liberty, so that's a big Sorry. difference, I think. But you you may be on something there. I mean, their defense is amazing, but I just feel like it's been Carolina's year for about 10 weeks now, and I, I want to say I was one of the first people to call it. It was their year, but I know there were probably people that beat me to the punch on that. So, All right, find us on Twitter, at Red Triangle 23 We'll be back next week to talk about um, second baseman and how that is also a surprisingly deep position group. Thanks, guys. <laughs>